Planning with patience, perspective, and persistence. And a sense of humor, too. When your child's nighttime patterns prevent you from getting a full and uninterrupted night's sleep, your own sleep deprivation and desperate need for sleep stand solidly in the way of reason and thwart any possibility of rational thinking. To make matters worse, other people might lead you to believe that your child's sleep habits are wrong and unusual, and that it's entirely your fault that your child doesn't go to bed easily and sleep soundly all night long. You're too weak, they say. You've created your own problems, they declare, because you breastfeed at night, or give him a bottle when he wakes up, or bring him to your bed, or don't make him nap, or let him nap too much, and on and on. Of course, these same folks tell you that you could solve your problem in a day or two if you would just put your child to bed, lock the door, put earplugs in your ears, and let her cry it out until she falls asleep. This advice just makes you feel worse. So, let's first clear up your confusion. Is it your fault? Let's start with the idea that it's a parent's fault if a child isn't sleeping well, and that something is wrong if a child isn't sleeping perfectly. The National Sleep Foundation conducted a poll of 1,473 primary caregivers about their children's sleep. One of the questions was related to changing a child's sleep patterns. 77% of those with toddlers and 82% of those with preschoolers said that they would change something about their child's sleep if they could. Tell me something. Are all of these parents doing things wrong? Or could it be that young children simply don't sleep the same way that adults do? Perhaps the only thing wrong is people's perception that children should sleep the way that adults do. Yes, the things that we parents do have an effect on how our children sleep. But children are complicated beings, and if you did everything differently, you'd still have sleep issues. They'd just be different ones. Trust that I know this. I get hundreds of letters from sleep-deprived parents every single month, and although they all have sleep issues, they all have entirely different lives. It is the same among my test mommies and the parents who completed my surveys. These families are from all over the world. Some are two-parent families, some single-parent households, and some are extended family households. In some families, both parents work, in others, only one does, and in some, both are home all day. Some children attend daycare full-time, some attend part-time, and others don't attend at all. Some children co-sleep, others sleep in a crib, in a toddler bed, on a mattress, on a futon, or on the family room sofa. Some breastfeed, some bottle feed, some take pacifiers, some don't. The mix of family types, sleeping arrangements, and the array of problems and issues are almost endless. No single right way to address sleep will guarantee a child who puts himself to bed at 7 p.m. and wakes cheerfully at 7 a.m. There just isn't one. Would letting him cry solve the problems? If a day or two of letting a child cry to sleep would solve all problems, there is no way that the previously quoted percentages would be so high. In addition, if those who tried it found immediate simple success, it would be impossible for word not to spread quickly around the world. The truth is that even though cry-it-out advocates try to tell you that it's a quick fix— it often takes weeks or even months of very intense crying and very little sleeping for a child to finally succumb and start sleeping better, only to relapse after teething, illness, vacations, schedule changes, and growth spurts. So to imply that a few nights of crying would solve everything is naive and unrealistic. As a matter of fact, I'd like to share with you a few actual quotes from messages posted to a sleep training message board 
on a popular website to help dispel any confusion you still have over crying it out, meaning quick, painless success. Six weeks unsuccessful training. Desperate. Help. I'm feeling very worn down and can barely take the crying anymore. I'm very frustrated and angry. This is a horrible cycle. He is crying all the time and is tired all the time and is no longer the happy child he normally was. At the end of my rope. Ah! At 22 months, we put a gate up and made her just stay in there no matter what. She eventually started going to her bed, but remains awake until at least 9.30. Then, without fail, she wakes up at least four times a night. We let her cry it out each time she wakes up. It never gets better. She screams and cries after waking, then falls asleep at the gate for a while, and then wakes up and starts over again. She's now three years old and is still not sleeping. It has been over a year, and it is still going on. Getting worse. Now up to four hours CIO daily. Things are getting worse and worse. DS naps are getting shorter, and he is crying longer and longer and waking more frequently. He is getting only a little more than ten hours of broken sleep after four hours of crying. At what point do I say that I'm just torturing this kid? I'm feeling tired, sad, angry, and guilty. Persistent Crier Retraining 19-month-old This has become a nightmare. The problem is that when he gets back on track after any setback, bad cold, cough, teething, vacation, etc., we have another setback and have to start all over again with hours of crying. I guess my question is, how much crying is too much? Without resorting to shutting the door on him and wringing your hands while he wails for hours. I have learned, however, that allowing an older toddler or preschooler a few minutes of fussing or moderate crying is not necessarily evil. Many loving, attached parents have put together complete and considerate sleep plans for their children and allowed a small amount of tears along the way. Many breastfeeding ten times a night toddlers have spent some time crying while being rocked in daddy's loving arms, while a desperately tired mother catches a few hours of uninterrupted sleep. There is a huge difference between putting a child in a crib, shutting the door, and abandoning her to hours of crying, versus creating a complete and thoughtful sleep plan that includes a loving before-bed routine and then allowing a few minutes of protest at the time the lights are turned out. There's also a considerable difference between letting a tiny baby cry in the night and letting a four-year-old cry when he's put to bed but would rather stay up and watch a movie. After all, when your toddler or preschooler cries for candy before dinner or because you won't let him paint the kitchen cabinets or because you told him not to give the dog a haircut, you don't second-guess yourself, do you? So if your no-cry plan turns into a little bit of cry plan, don't feel like you've been a failure. Just provide your child with lots of love and attention during daytime hours, and of course, make sure you're following a complete sleep plan so you can keep the tears to a minimum. Every parent has his or her own tolerance level for tears, and it's right to listen to your own heart. Every child is affected differently by his own crying. Some children can protest for 20 minutes before falling asleep and suffer no ill effects. Others experience a heart-wrenching sadness if left alone to cry for even a few minutes. Much of this depends on a child's personality the sleep issues involved, and how the parents have responded to him for the first few years of his life. Among my own four children, even as they grow, I find that they each have very different ways of expressing and dealing with their emotions. Part of the job of a parent is to learn how to read each child 
and provide what each most needs in return. The goal, of course, is no crying, and you can achieve this or close to this by making thoughtful changes in your child's sleep situation and then being patient as you put your plan into action. The key is to listen to your child, listen to your heart, and know that if it feels wrong, it probably is wrong for you. This doesn't mean you should give up on the idea of making changes if your child resists them. It just means you need to put additional thought into adjusting your plan. Mother Speak I've been studying the sleep hours chart and realized that Jada has been substantially short of hours, especially since she stopped napping six months ago. After lunch on Monday, she was being her usual fussy, grouchy self, so I decided to try putting her down for a nap. I gave her some milk, read her a book, turned on her white noise, closed the blinds, put her in her crib and closed the door. Jada cried for ten minutes, and although normally I would have taken her out after five minutes, I left her this time. I told myself it was a test project that I had to complete so I could report the results back to you. Well, she fell asleep, and she slept for over an hour. Again, on Tuesday and Wednesday, she took naps that were over an hour long. Both times she cried for about ten minutes, but she woke up happy and was cheerful the rest of the day. What I didn't understand about sleep. I thought she was a stubborn child, not a tired child. Cheated me out of six months of afternoon breaks. It's almost embarrassing to admit that I had been denying her of sleep and then calling her fussy and stubborn. Jolene, mother of two-year-old Jada A Persistent, Consistent Sleep Plan Changing your child's bedtime, nap time, and sleep patterns is a very complicated undertaking. So many different aspects are involved that the solutions aren't always simple to identify or to apply, and it takes dedication to make the necessary changes. In addition, children grow and change along the way, and their sleep needs change too. If you randomly choose one or two ideas and make a half-hearted attempt to apply them, you'll likely see little or no improvement in your situation. When the agony of night-waking is greater than the torture of following a sleep plan, however, you will be motivated to do it. Why do you think people do their taxes on April 14th? In order to see the most pleasant and long-lasting changes, you'll need to follow these steps. 1. Make a commitment to identifying your child's sleep issues. Every child is different, and every family situation is different, so it is impossible to create a one-size-fits-all sleep solution. It takes some detective work to clearly identify your child's sleep issues. These also differ for each parent based on the parent's needs, which must be taken into consideration as well. 2. Find the right solutions. Each family has their own personality and philosophy about life. You cannot blindly accept someone else's prescribed solution and expect it to work for you. It's important to choose solutions that suit your family, your beliefs, your child, and your sleep needs. 3. Organize these solutions into a complete plan that encompasses nap time, bedtime routine, sleep, and awakening. Learning about good ideas is, of course, only the beginning. You must choose your solutions and organize them into a plan so you can actually remember all the parts of it as you go through your day and night. Writing them down will be most helpful for those times when you are simply too tired to think. 4. Follow your plan in total every day and every night. Making a grocery list, but then going out for a walk in the park, won't fill your refrigerator any more than will making a sleep plan, but leaving it in the book solve your sleep problems. It takes effort, yes, but the results are very worth it. 
Commit to following your plan and positive changes are inevitable. 5. Be flexible enough to make adjustments as necessary. It's not always possible to make a perfect plan from the get-go. Sometimes it takes a few adjustments as you learn more about your child's sleep and as you work through the ideas. While you should give each idea enough time to settle before you judge its effectiveness, you should also be looking to make adjustments along the way to customize your original plan until you feel that you've settled on the right solutions. 6. Be realistic enough to have reasonable expectations about the amount of change you are expecting and the length of time it will take to achieve these changes. Just as in most life situations, it takes time to experience change. Let's face it, no matter how good your plan is, there are times it will be impossible to follow. You'll be out at a birthday party past bedtime. Your child will come down with a cold, or you'll have a hectic day and simply be too tired to walk down the hall again and again, so you'll plop your child into your bed and accept the easiest route to sleep. Don't beat yourself up over these very natural digressions. Just dust yourself off and start anew. Parenting isn't a race to be won in a day. It's a lifelong journey. No prizes are given for the ones who get their child to sleep through the night the quickest. So relax and take the time you need. If you stay the path, you will all be sleeping well soon. And a sense of humor, too. Do you remember what you had for lunch a week ago last Tuesday? What clothes you dressed your child in for his outing last month? Likely not. The sleep issues that you are facing today will fade in memory that same way. These issues loom large today, more than most parenting problems, because they occur at night when you are tired. When you need rest and a respite from the vigor of raising an energetic toddler or preschooler, sleep becomes an obsession. But over time, these feelings fade, and new concerns will take their place. In comparison to some of the situations you'll face over the next 18 or so years, trust me here, I have three teenagers, two with driver's licenses, these huge sleep problems of today will shrink into very minor blips in your history. It's not always easy, but it is immensely helpful to maintain a feeling of joy and a sense of humor. Children are little for a very short time, and almost all parents of older children will tell you that these early years are the most magical of childhood. The things you'll remember most are the adorable little antics and joy-filled pleasures of raising a little one, and you'll probably wish you had basked in them a little more often when you had the chance. So why not do it now? So when you get poked in the ribs at 3 a.m., or your little jack-in-the-box pops out of bed for the 15th time, asking how long till his next birthday, or you painstakingly choose and purchase the perfect toddler bed but your child refuses to even sit on it, try to see the joke. When your child is finally sound asleep, stand over the bed and drink in the sweetness of your precious little person. Finally, let love guide you as you solve all your sleep problems, all in good time. Part 2 Eight Sleep Tips for Every Child Beginning the Journey to Better Sleep Once you've decided to make changes in the way your child sleeps, it helps to understand that the process of helping a child to sleep better is like putting together a hundred-piece puzzle. As much as you may want to see it finished, you must put it together patiently one piece at a time, and frequently the whole picture doesn't look right until most of the pieces are in place. Each child's particular combination of sleep issues is unique. Some children have nightmares, some are scared of the dark, some make frequent visits to mommy and daddy's bed in the middle of the night, 
Some wake up too early, or some stay up too late. These situations are all filler pieces to the puzzle that needs to be completed section by section. Just as with a puzzle, you can put your child's sleep plan together in any way you'd like, but it's often easier and more orderly if you put the frame together first and then fill in the middle. Sleep researchers have learned that human beings, as different as they are from one another, have certain similarities when it comes to sleep. Some ideas are of value to almost any sleeper, regardless of age or the particular issues preventing a good night's sleep. The following eight general tips are like a border that can be put around the edge of nearly any child's individual sleep puzzle. If you will commit to spending the next 30 days working with these eight ideas alone, you'll likely see noticeable improvements in your child's sleep. In addition, if you also use the ideas in Part 3 that address specific sleep issues, you should see major improvements not only in your child's sleep, but also in her mood. Last, but certainly not anywhere near least, you'll see improvements in your own sleep and outlook as well. So let's begin with the sleep tips that work well for almost every toddler and preschooler. A bonus is that these ideas work for older children and adults, too. Go ahead and apply them to anyone in the house who would benefit from better sleep. Tip 1. Maintain a consistent bedtime and waking time seven days a week. As explained in Part 1, your child's biological clock has a strong influence on her wakefulness and sleepiness. Just like a clock that is running properly, when your child's biological clock is ticking in time with her daily activities, she will be tired at nap time and bedtime, fall asleep easily, and wake up refreshed. If, however, her waking time, nap times, and sleep time aren't in sync with her natural rhythm, she'll likely have resulting sleep problems along with daytime moodiness or other physical or emotional problems. Remember that the human clock runs on a 25-hour cycle and must be reset daily to work effectively. The first key to this process is to establish a set time for two important components, bedtime and wake-up time. A handful of children are very flexible in regard to their sleep schedule and can easily adapt to an inconsistent pattern of sleep times. I suspect, however, that since you are listening to this book about sleep, your child isn't one of these wonder kids and would benefit from a regular sleep and wake schedule. The good news is that when you get to the point where your child is sleeping well consistently, you will be able to be more flexible. Once your child's sleep is regular and undisturbed, you'll find that veering from your schedule from time to time doesn't disrupt anything. But in the meantime, finding the right sleep schedule is an important key to better overall sleep, so it's worth making it a priority for now. A very important point here, and one that is often missed, is that your child's clock has its own rhythm. A schedule can be forced upon a child to adapt to a parent's chosen time agenda, but this often backfires if the times selected don't correspond to the child's natural rhythms. Plus, working too hard to adhere to a rigid schedule can create stress for your family. What works best is to discover and work with your child's natural patterns so that you can eliminate many of the battles that arise over forced schedules while taking advantage of the benefits a regular bedtime brings. Timing of Bedtime Numerous studies have shown that the vast majority of young children have a natural bedtime that is early in the evening. There are exceptions, but most toddlers and preschoolers respond best with the bedtime between 6.30 and 7.30 p.m. Studies have shown that a child's blood pressure, heart rate, and release of cortisol, a stress-related hormone, 
are all affected in a positive way by an early bedtime. Although it may seem backward, most children who go to bed late have more night wakings and wake up earlier in the morning. Most children will actually sleep better and longer when they go to bed earlier. So this is definitely an idea worth exploring, even if it means foregoing evening-after-work playtime with your child in favor of a morning play session. While an energetic child may appear to be running on full steam until late in the evening, a toddler or preschooler who stays awake until 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock p.m. often was ready for bed many hours earlier and is up late functioning on overdrive, usually indicated by fussiness or hyperactivity. Or he may, in fact, be ready for a night's sleep when he takes a late afternoon nap which can, with a little coaxing, be adapted to become a much earlier bedtime instead. It's beneficial to find a bedtime that corresponds to your child's biological ready-for-bed time. In The Promise of Sleep, sleep researcher Dr. William C. Demons states, The effects of delaying bedtime by even half an hour can be subtle and pernicious, very destructive, when it comes to babies and young children. A child who is awake past the time when his body calls for sleep is often grumpy and whiny, finds it difficult to fall asleep, sleeps poorly, and may even wake up too early, further compounding his own sleep problems. How can you tell if your child's bedtime is too late? Watch your child. In the few hours before he goes to bed, is he happy and relaxed? Is he in a pleasant frame of mind during your pre-bedtime routine? And does he go off to bed easily? Then his bedtime may be right for him, even if it happens to be 10 p.m. If, on the other hand, you are dealing with any of the following issues, your child may be sending you a sign that his current bedtime is too late. Your child has a habitual evening meltdown when he is fussy and out of sorts. Your child gets hyperactive in the evening and finds it hard to settle down for bed. Even though you know she's tired, your child fights going to bed at bedtime. When you're in the car in the evening, he often falls asleep. She seems almost hypnotized by the television in the evening. He increases his tired behaviors in the evening such as thumb-sucking, hugging a blanket, or asking for a bottle or to nurse. Your child has frequent temper tantrums or crying spells during her bedtime routine, while you're putting on pajamas, brushing teeth, etc. You must wake him up in the morning, and when you do, he doesn't wake easily. If any or all of these apply to your child, it's very likely that his current bedtime is too late and you would all benefit from an earlier bedtime. How to Find the Right Bedtime If you suspect that your child has been going to bed too late, it's time to make a change. This may be easier to accomplish than you expect. According to my surveys of children's bedtime behavior, a truly amazing 97% of kids gave the same exact answer to the question, how do you know it's bedtime? The answer they gave? Mommy or Daddy tells me. Think about it. This gives you more power than you have realized to determine a bedtime for your child, since you are the keeper of the bedtime clock. You may have never known that setting a bedtime is as simple as setting a bedtime. You can use one of three approaches to finding your child's best bedtime. 1. Set your child's bedtime earlier than his current time by 15 to 30 minutes every two or three nights. After a few days, you can judge the effect by taking note of how pleasant he is during the bedtime routine, how easily he falls asleep, how well he sleeps at night, and his mood upon waking up in the morning. 2. If your child must be awake at a certain time in the morning, for example, if he must be up to leave the house for daycare, 
Then the best approach is to determine how many hours of sleep your child should be having and base his bedtime on his awaking time. Remember that the hours are based on sleeping time, so you'll need to begin your pre-bedtime routine an hour or so before the actual sleep time begins. Keep in mind that your child's sleep hours may differ slightly from what we outlined earlier, but it's always a good idea to plan for more sleep to start with. After a week or so of using a new bedtime, you can gauge your child's mood upon awakening and his daily disposition to tweak the exact times. 3. A third approach is to watch your child closely beginning at around 6.30 p.m., and as soon as he exhibits signs of tiredness, take him off to bed. For about a week, you can note the time that this happens. You can determine the best bedtime for your child by tracking his behavior and then set your pre-bedtime routine to begin an hour or so before. Children show their parents in many different ways that they are tired, but what follows are the more typical telltale signs of fatigue. Losing focus or having poor concentration. Becoming easily agitated or frustrated. Decreasing the pace of his activities. Fussing, whining, and getting cranky. Lacking energy or losing interest in usual playtime activities. Having tantrums. Becoming hyperactive, wired, or wound up. Quieting down, talking less. Rubbing eyes or pulling at ears. Looking glazed or acting distracted. Becoming clingy, wanting to be held or carried. Complaining of a headache or stomachache. Yawning. Lying down on the floor or a chair or closing the eyes for long blinks. Caressing a lovey, such as a blanket or stuffed animal. Asking to nurse or asking for a pacifier or bottle. As you watch your child more closely for these signs, you'll be better able to determine the best bedtime for her. You can use this list of signs to help you decide when your child should have a nap as well. Timing of Awakening Establishing a regular wake-up time that is the same seven days a week can be an important key to maintaining a perfectly functioning biological clock. Again, some people, adults and children, are more flexible, but if sleep problems exist, then this is a great step to take toward consistent sleep. You may have never thought about awakening time as a key to better sleep, but it's quite possible that you have actually felt the effects of this phenomenon in your own life. Often, adults have a consistent wake-up time during the week because of a work or school schedule, but then they sleep in on the weekends. This results in extreme tiredness on Monday morning and the urge to hit the snooze button repeatedly for just a few more minutes of sleep. Then, by midweek, the morning routine is easier to accept, and by the week's end, you may even be waking up just before your alarm goes off, a signal that the human biological clock is working perfectly. But then the pattern begins anew, sleeping in over the weekend, followed by that Monday morning can't-get-up routine. Sleeping late on weekends is similar to giving yourself jet lag every week. Living in one time zone Monday through Friday and a second time zone on the weekends. This same thing happens with children who have different awakening times over the course of a week's time. They end up with a poorly functioning biological clock. You can easily gauge the effects of this technique with your own child by setting a consistent wake-up time for a few weeks and watching what effect this has on his sleep and behavior. Some children respond to this idea much better than others, but give it a few weeks to be sure you can see how it works with your child. It's an easy enough approach to try out. How consistent do you need to be? What's important about a consistent wake-up time is that it's based on a reliable bedtime and regular nap times, 
which all come together to result in the correct amount of sleep for your child every day. The awakening time is somewhat flexible, within an hour or so. This means that if you have no morning commitments, you certainly don't have to wake your child simply because it's wake-up time. A child with irregular bedtimes and staggered awakening times, however, will generally continue to have sleep problems. After a morning of sleeping in late, that day's nap becomes late, and that night's bedtime is pushed later, which means another morning of sleeping late and the dreaded cycle continues. Sometimes, the best way out is to decide on an awakening time and stay close to that time seven days a week. Settling into a good schedule What matters most is to find a daily routine that works for you and your family and try to stick with it every day. Once your child is sleeping well, you can experiment with the flexibility of your routine since you'll know what behaviors signal more sleep is needed and you can make adjustments when you need to. Tip 2. Encourage regular daily naps. A daily nap is important because an energetic young child can find it very difficult to go through a full, long day without a rest break. A napless toddler or preschooler often wakes up cheerful in the morning, but becomes progressively moodier, fussier, or hyper-alert as the day goes on and as he runs out of steam. Furthermore, the length and quality of naps affect nighttime sleep, and conversely, nighttime sleep affects naps. A midday nap refreshes a child in a number of ways. Children have a natural dip in energy and alertness at midday, even after a full night's sleep, and a nap that corresponds with this dip follows a child's natural biological need for rest. A midday nap enables the body to release hormones that combat daily stress and tension. Napping can help a child recover from any problems in the prior night's sleep, as any night sleep time that was missed is made up during the nap. A child is typically more alert and happier following a midday snooze, which is as good for the parent as it is for the child. Adequate sleep is crucial to proper brain development, and some studies indicate that daytime napping may play a role in learning by helping convert new information into a more permanent place in the memory. A child who needs a nap but doesn't get one will become overly tired and then may find it difficult to fall asleep at bedtime. Research shows that children who nap have longer attention spans and are less fussy than their non-napping peers. The benefits of napping extend to caregivers, since adults sometimes need children to nap just as much as children need the nap. During nap time, moms, dads, or caregivers can have a little bit of quiet time. They can rest and re-energize or do a few things for themselves so they can enjoy their little napper more when she wakes up. Timing of Naps Choosing the right time for naps is important for a number of reasons. First, a nap taken too late in the day will negatively affect nighttime sleep, since your child will get that second wind and not be tired at bedtime. Also, a very late nap may be long after the best biological nap time for the child. When you miss that window, then your child either finds it hard to fall asleep, or she crashes from being overtired, sleeps too long and too late, and then isn't tired at bedtime. Another problem with a late nap is that it may actually be a child's natural bedtime that is being treated as a nap. If so, a natural awakening that occurs between sleep cycles is seen as the end of the nap and wake-up time. If your child is a too-late napper, try treating it as bedtime. Let him sleep in a dark room with white noise and see if it actually works as an early bedtime. 
Yet another reason to pay close attention to nap times is that there is a natural phase of sleepiness that occurs midday, the traditional siesta time. A child has a period in the afternoon that is conducive to a daily nap. His body is physiologically ready for sleep, and if you take advantage of this natural dip in energy, a child will more willingly accept a nap. Certain times are better for napping because they fall during the natural phase of sleepiness that occurs in your child's biological rhythm, and they don't interfere with nighttime sleep. Generally, for most children, the best time for naps are as follows. If your child takes two naps, mid-morning and early afternoon. If your child takes only one nap, early afternoon. As is typical with so many features of these little people, they don't always give clear signals about what they need. So a tired child doesn't always slow down and yawn. In fact, quite the opposite can happen. A child needing a nap may suddenly become inattentive, hyperactive, or fussy, or display any of those signs in the previous list. How to Set Nap Times Once you've determined where your child's sleep needs fall, as we learned about in Better Sleep Basics at the beginning of this book, you have a starting point for figuring out the best nap schedule. Begin by noting your child's current bedtime, nap time, and awaking time. Set new times when you think these events should be occurring, according to our earlier discussion. If your child currently has a sporadic sleep schedule, it may take a week or two for you to figure out what the best plan will be. In order for your child to welcome nap time, you need to get him to bed when he's tired. Use the list of signs of fatigue that we just recently discussed as indicators, along with your predetermined times as a guideline. Keep your eye on your child as your chosen nap time approaches. As soon as your child shows signs of being tired, it's time for a nap. If setting a regular nap time is new to you, then focus on watching your child's behavior as a key to nap time. Don't begin a lengthy pre-nap time routine if your child is clearly ready to sleep because she may work through her tired spell and get a second wind. When that happens, she'll likely wind down long before bedtime and you will spend your evening with a tired, fussy child. Once you've established a nap routine and followed it for a week or two, Take a good look at your child's behavior before and after naps and in the evening. Does he seem happy and well-rested? Is he tired at bedtime but not overtired? These are signs that your new nap schedule is working well. Tip 3. Set your child's biological clock. Now that you know how important consistency is in your little one's sleep routine, you can go one step further and take advantage of his natural biology so that he's actually tired when his predetermined bedtime arrives. Nothing is quite as frustrating as knowing your child should be in bed and trying to adhere to an early bedtime, but finding him wide-eyed and energetic when this bedtime arrives. Everyone has heard the comment, you can't make a child sleep, but you can make him go to bed. This statement is true enough, but this theory creates all kinds of chaos in the house when said child is jumping on the bed, playing in the bed, popping out of the bed, and generally doing everything in the bed but sleeping. The missing link here is actually having him be tired enough to lie on the bed and go to sleep. How Sleepiness is Regulated Several brain processes regulate a person's wakefulness and sleepiness. The first is simply a factor of how long a person has been awake. If a child is awake long enough, he eventually will become tired. This is why a long late afternoon nap can destroy the idea of an early bedtime. A late napper simply hasn't been awake long enough to become tired. 
The second regulating factor is light and darkness. Bright light stimulates and energizes, while darkness brings on feelings of relaxation and tiredness. Morning Light Bright light orchestrates an array of functions in your child's body, from temperature to blood pressure to the release of hormones. Morning light provokes the release of your child's wakefulness hormones. Exposing your child to morning light is like pushing a go button in her brain that says, time to wake up and be active. Use this to your advantage. Expose your child to bright light first thing in the morning. Daylight is most powerful, so set up your child's breakfast, morning cuddle, or the wake-up breastfeeding in a room with windows. If you don't have such a room, or if the morning is dark outside, start your child's day in a well-lit area of the house. The Dark of Night As much as bright light is your child's biological go button, darkness is the stop button. Darkness causes an increase in the release of melatonin, the body's natural sleep hormone. You can help align your child's sleepiness with his bedtime by dimming the lights in your home during the hour or two before bedtime. Use night lights judiciously. Choose small and dim ones. If possible, select a night light that emits a more blue tone of light, like moonlight, rather than yellow, like sunlight. When you understand the power of light and dark as biological signals, you can see that a bright night light glowing in your child's bedroom can be counterproductive to helping her sleep soundly all night. When she wakes between her sleep cycles, that night light actually can push her go button, even a very dim light, and even if it's 2 o'clock a.m. You can also see that if your child wakes in the night for a diaper change, a bottle, or a trip to the potty, things like turning lights on or opening the refrigerator and flooding the room with light can accidentally signal morning's arrival. Dr. Charles Zeisler, who studies sleep at Brigham and Women's Hospital, completed years of research on the biological resetting effect of lights. He discovered that even the light of a hundred-watt bulb held ten feet away is powerful enough to reset your biological clock. Keeping this in mind, use the least amount of light you can for your middle-of-the-night duties, the tiniest nightlight or a penlight flashlight, and turn it off as soon as possible. Incidental lights can affect your child's sleep, too. A streetlight outside his window car lights flickering past, early morning sunlight, or the neighbor's kitchen lights coming through his window can call out to the sleeping child, waking him in the night or earlier in the morning than you'd like. Do what you can to prevent light from entering your child's bedroom. Use light-blocking curtains or shades, or cut cardboard boxes or aluminum foil to fit inside windows. Pay attention to lights inside the house that enter your child's room through his doorway or around his door jamb. His room may be dark, but if you're up and about, the light seeping into his room, not to mention the noise of your activities, will keep your little one from falling asleep. This also can cause his repeated waking after you've put him to bed, but before you've gone to bed yourself. A child who fears the dark often finds comfort in the dimmest of nightlights or in a child-sized flashlight at his bedside that he can use if he finds waking in the dark scary. Keeping a child's bedroom as dark as possible from bedtime to awakening time can be a very powerful tool to define his sleeping hours. Lights, Camera, Action even if the lights are dim, you'll find that noise and action can override the light and dark regulated biological need for sleep. In other words, if the lights are dim, but the television is loud and your child is racing around the room with daddy or her siblings, then her brain will override that stop button and convince her to push through the tiredness. She'll become alert 
often hyper-alert, since she'll be forcing herself to stay awake despite an inner voice that's calling her to sleep. The key is to keep the pre-bedtime hour as peaceful as possible. Turn the television off or keep the volume low and the picture dimmed and avoid loud, stimulating programs. Turn the radio to soothing, relaxing tunes. Keep video, computer, and electronic games turned off. Direct playtime toward quiet and restful activities. Prevent your child from engaging in physically active play. Avoid having him run, dance, jump, or wrestle during the hour before bedtime. Avoid scheduling social events, running errands, or entertaining visitors during the hour before your child's bedtime whenever possible. Tip 4. Develop a consistent bedtime routine. Creating a specific bedtime routine usually isn't suggested or even necessary for newborns. When they are hungry, we feed them. When they are tired, we put them to bed. Not much preparation or structure to that process is necessary. The problem is that some parents are led to believe that routines are always a bad thing, and that if parents would just let their children fall asleep when they are tired and wake up when they are ready, then there wouldn't be any bedtime or sleep problems at all. While free-form sleep and going with the flow sound like good ideas, a number of problems can arise when there is a total lack of bedtime routine. The first problem is that if your toddler or preschooler is sleeping and waking on his own erratic schedule, it can be difficult for you to organize your days. Busy parents often have other children to tend, carpools to drive, errands to run, and work to complete. Never knowing when you'll be getting your child ready for bed, how long the process will take, what time your child will sleep, or how long she will sleep, can make it difficult for you to feel in control of your day. Furthermore, if your little one is suddenly ready to sleep when you have other plans on your agenda, you'll be forever juggling your schedule as you go through your days. In addition, once your child starts school, the whole family will go through a major adjustment from freeform to a necessary routine. This will just add to the already major adjustments involved in beginning school, contributing stress to what should be a very exciting time in your child's life. Why Bedtime Routines Are Important to Your Child Even If You Don't Believe in Routines It may seem that if you follow your child's lead, he will naturally fall into a predictable schedule and pattern of activities. Although anything is possible, this result is unlikely simply because of an interesting twist to the internal human biological clock. Remember, it doesn't run on a 24-hour day. Numerous studies have been done where people volunteer to live in cave-like homes where they are isolated from the external world and given no cues to the time of day or night. These subjects are allowed to sleep and awake whenever they feel the need. The studies show that most people function on an almost 25-hour day, and some settle on cycles that range anywhere from 16-hour days to 30-hour days. These schedules also tend to gradually drift, so the test subjects become totally out of sync with the real world. What these studies show is that allowing a child to sleep and wake on his own whim would most likely result in a chaotic non-schedule. Instead of becoming a relaxing flow, your days would rather resemble those times when you had a newborn in the house. I've already discussed the biological advantage of using the same sleep time and wake-up time seven days a week. By adding a specific bedtime routine— a series of rituals performed at the same time each night before bed, you'll not only help your child's biological rhythm, but also enjoy a predictable pattern to your days and nights. You'll be able to schedule activities easier, 
knowing in advance when your pre-bedtime activities will begin. Your child will begin to expect and flow with the bedtime routine instead of fight against it. Mother Speak We recently had another baby, and it totally disrupted Samantha's sleep. I realized that we had abandoned her regular routine. Once we returned to her usual before-bed pattern of activities, her sleep problems disappeared. Wendy, mother of two-year-old Samantha. Why your child will love a routine. Consistency and routine create feelings of security and reliability in your little one's life. It's a very big world, and children learn so much every day that the enormity of it all can easily overwhelm them. When certain important key points always remain the same, they create anchors of security. Young children look for these anchors and thrive on their consistency. Children enjoy routines. They easily adapt to them and even look for them. I remember one Sunday morning when my husband woke early to discover our boys, David and Colton, already awake. Since they were the only ones awake in the house, Daddy decided to take the boys out to breakfast. The following Sunday morning, our girls were away at sleepover and I was busy writing, so Daddy decided again to take the boys out for breakfast. The third week, Robert and I were awakened by the boys standing at the side of our bed. Daddy, wake up, they were whispering. It's Sunday, and we always go out to breakfast on Sunday. In my son's analysis of their world, time being a slow-motion version of how we adults view life, two weeks in a row equaled always. If you think about it, it may bring to mind similar situations that have occurred with your child. A certain book that must be read, a specific path your stroll must follow, a certain order a game must take, and a particular phrase that must be said before you leave out the door. Parents can take advantage of this natural desire that children have for routine by actually creating a very specific before-bedtime routine that naturally and easily ends with sleep. Since most children share the same reasoning as my two sons about always, it takes 30 days or less for them to adopt a bedtime routine as the normal and usual way to end the day. Yet more reasons to create a consistent bedtime routine. Beyond the biology, convenience, and stability of a regular bedtime routine, there are lots of other reasons why you'll find this to be a helpful key to overcoming your bedtime woes. A consistent, peaceful bedtime routine allows your energetic child to transition from the constant motion of the day to the tranquil state required for falling asleep. An organized bedtime routine helps you coordinate the specifics that must occur before bed, taking a bath, putting on pajamas, brushing teeth, and so on. A specific bedtime routine helps you to function on autopilot at the time of day when you are most tired and least creative. Following a standard routine every night often replaces a disjointed and unhappy bedtime battle scene with a satisfying and peaceful process. An established routine helps you get your child into bed at the same time every night so he can get plenty of sleep and feel well-rested and happy. Keys for a good routine Now that you know the reasons why a bedtime routine is good for both you and your child, you can take the steps to create and follow a plan that works best for you. Here are some tips. First, figure out how much night's sleep your child should be getting. Based on this and the details of your daily schedule, set a bedtime. Start your child's bedtime routine early. Allow at least an hour from start to finish. Rushing through the process will create tension, and your child may not be sleepy by the end of the process. In most homes, this isn't an extra hour you need to find. 
It simply replaces an hour or more of dealing with a child who is arguing, dawdling, crying, and fussing about going to bed. The entire hour of your child's bedtime routine should be relatively quiet, dimly lit, and peaceful. This creates the transition from daytime activity to sleep time. Reading books, listening to audiobooks, or storytelling are all wonderful ways to end the bedtime routine. In addition to being very natural sleep inducers, they are critically important keys to your child's emerging intelligence, making this a peaceful, enjoyable, and productive use of your time. View your routine as a special time to be treasured with your child. The bedtime routine should be as much about enjoying the loving connection between you and your child as it is about donning pajamas and brushing teeth. 